Benita Croyle, and welcome back to another episode of Holding It Together. For those of you who are new to listening to Holding It Together, our theme for this season is Bodies Holding It Together. So over the course of the next few episodes, we will explore what it is to journey with our bodies, what it can mean to hold, care for, and know our bodies in all the ways that our bodies show up. In this season of pandemic, many of us may know what it is like to carry deep pain, grief, sadness, and exhaustion in our bodies. Some of us may know trauma and what it is like to bear witness to death. And some of us may know what it is like to experience deep joy and pleasure in our bodies. We are people that hold and experience so much And this season, we will hold these stories, hold these bodies, and celebrate the movement of the Spirit through us in the world. Today's episode is about bodies and biblical lament. And I'll be honest, y'all, the topic of biblical lament is a difficult topic for me. Mostly because in my experiences with faith communities, biblical lament has seemed like a passive invitation to engage in justice work instead of an intersectional and sustainable call for truth, accountability, justice, and action. For me, biblical lament is a spiritual practice that requires my full body participation, and it includes confession, accountability, and pleas for justice. This practice looks like taking my full and raw emotions, the rage, the grief, the fear, sadness, and despair straight to the Creator and naming reminders of who the Creator is and relying on my community for help. Sometimes biblical lament has been a loud scream and sometimes a whisper. Sometimes it has simply sounded like, God, I don't even know what to say right now, but I know that you are the liberating, chain-breaking, breath-giving God that holds me when I can't breathe. Deliver me. I wonder what lament has looked like for you, how lament shows up in your body in spiritual practice. Today, I invited my friends, Dr. Elizabeth Soto Albrecht and Lachelle Hackman to discuss what lament means to them, what ways lament has shown up in their lives this past year, and what they have learned. Lachelle Hackman is a full-time parent to Brielle and Lucia, ages 6 and 3, and part-time student in the Harrisburg Area Community College Nursing Program. She looks forward to learning how to care for folks of all ages. She will most certainly employ her experience in working with teenagers for 10 years at Lancaster Mennonite High School Residence Hall to navigate both parenting and nursing. Lachelle is grateful to be a student yet again after earning her bachelor's in psychology at EMU and master's in higher education at Messiah. She attends Laurel Street Mennonite Church and leads worship there once a month. She enjoys spending time with her husband, Brian, biking and jogging. Elizabeth was born in Arecibo, Puerto Rico, and in the last 30 years has been a proud resident of the southeast part of the city of Lancaster. She worked 10 years with Lancaster Theological Seminary as professor of practice, coordinating field education, designing the cross-cultural courses, and teaching. 
served a little over seven years as a chaplain interpreter at Women and Babies Hospital, Lancaster General Health. Elizabeth was ordained as a minister in Colombia, South America in 2004. And since 2016, the Atlantic Coast Conference of Mennonite Churches holds her credentials. Most recently, she completed 14 months serving as a consultant with Mennonite Disaster Service as the administrator of the response on Hurricane Maria's disaster in Puerto Rico. Elizabeth has an MAR from Seminario Evangelica de Puerto Rico and Anabaptist Mennonite Biblical Seminary in Elkhart, Indiana. In 2005, Elizabeth completed a doctorate in ministry emphasis on international feminism. She published her Doctor of Ministry dissertation in 2007 with Orbe's books on the theme of family violence and theology of nonviolence of Jesus. Most recently, her long dream project came out in September 2020. Published by TNT Clark, she co-edited Liberating the Politics of Jesus, Renewing Peace Theology Through the Wisdom of Women. She has been a writer on other projects, both in Spanish and English, for leadership formation in her denomination in the U.S. and Latin America Caribbean. She is passionate on women's issues, Latina identity, racial justice, and community development for the unprivileged. Elizabeth served as moderator of Mennonite Church USA from 2013 to 2015, being the first Latina to serve in that position. She is married to Frank Albrecht, a high school teacher and a loving mother of two young adult daughters and their spouses. Currently, her church is Loyal Street Mennonite Church in the southwest of the city and works as a Spanish interpreter in local hospitals and school districts. Most recently serves as a consultant on diversity with Landis Communities, advocating for affordable housing for 55 plus for the Latino community and people of color in Lancaster City. Elizabeth and Lachelle, welcome. Thank you for being here. And I'm so curious how you both define biblical lament and what are one or two ways that lament has shown up for you in this past year. Elizabeth and Lachelle, I look forward to this conversation and hearing from you. Thank you, Bonita. Thank you. It's uh, a pleasure to be together. And as we, um, in this holy circle, talk about what it is and how we see it and how we feel it. I think that's very important. Um, Lament is not an Old Testament thing. Lament is what this nation is going through. Mm -hmm. But uh, I would say I am not an Old Testament scholar, but I have my favorites. And one of them is Professor Walter Rudiman. Mm -hmm. He was the one who wrote uh, Prophetical Imagination. And I follow him in the website. He's getting older and older and older. And I just uh, love his prophetical voice and how he brings life into the concept of lament. I, like you, do not think that lament is a flat thing done and said. Lament for me within them, and I will say even in the scriptures, will support this, has a cry for justice. So it's not what we call the Puerto Ricans, ay bendito, mm. oh, that's so bad, that happened to us. And no, it's saying no mas, it's raising up your voice and somebody has to listen to it. 
So I have uh, done a lot of thinking about the type of lamentation I have participated in, those I have guided, uh, process uh, walking outside, um, demonstrations outside in our church, um, praying together as a community. I, I think we know how to do what we call the individual lament, but we don't know how to do the collective lament. Uh, there's a uh, Asian scholar that talk about um, that we have lost how the ability to lament collectively um, and how much public lamentation was not in the screen um, that much uh, between um, the, the Me Too movement, the Black Lives Matter, those gave us an opportunity to lament as a body yes. that's hurting mm -hmm. together, not individually, right? So lamentation is to say, I am hurting, I am griefing, I am in pain. But we forget that that type of suffering is twofold as Walter Brueggemann talks about it. So um, is the one that it is suffering because a cause has been um, put upon them. And then there's God's grief for the people who are suffering. Mm -hmm. So for me, that God feels what the anger of injustice yes. is liberating for me. It's not a passive God. And it is a, a God that I can invite to the fighting ring, say, okay, venga acá. You know, I, can't, I don't understand this. And maybe I'm not, I cannot have the answer right now, but let me stand right here and just say, this is not fair. It doesn't feel right. It's not just. Um, and then as I started hearing other people, that helps. Um, again, the, we talk about the Old Testament, the Lamentations and Jeremiah, but all the prophets lamented. Even Moses in Genesis, he lamented. God lamented. Jesus lamented when his friend was dead yeah. with John. Mm -hmm. um, he used tears as a male. Um, how do we allow ourselves to express uh, that strong feeling? If not, we get sick. And that's what we're having, a sick society mm -hmm. that does not know how to. So they use a gun, they use screaming, they use violent, yes. violence. Um, so I'm just going to leave it right there and let um, Lachelle or you interact with what you have to say yes yeah i'd Thank love to so hear much. from lachelle thank you and i'm sitting with elizabeth that invitation that when i show up with my rage and as i am lamenting god is with me lamenting with me that was so beautiful so succinctly said I'm, I'm sitting with that lachelle i'd love to hear from you sure thank you so much elizabeth for sharing that and bonnie thank you so much for having us really appreciate you as a leader. You're one of my heroes. I look up to you. And so it's just great to be in conversation and yeah, join you in this, in this way. Um, lamenting is something that I didn't think too much about prior to, I would say the pandemic start. Um, but then you could just feel this sense. I felt 
it in my body. Mm-hmm. And I, I know that lots of people were feeling the same way, I'm sure, of just heaviness um, of grief. And um, I think of the stages of grief that came to mind when I think of lament. Mm-hmm. So it's not always looking the same. Mm-hmm. You know, when what some parts of me, some at certain points, I've been feeling numb, just so numb. And just that's part of the stages of grief and um, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, lamenting is hard, but it's, (laughs) but it's, you know, the truth will set you free. You have to be at the truth and the truth hurts, you know? And so sometimes you can't get freedom without it. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate the, the stages of grief, Lachelle. I feel as someone who's visual and is someone who uh, likes organization, uh, it's helpful for my brain to think about lament and how I move through it and how my body experiences. Okay. So I really appreciate you giving name to, yeah, my body felt numb. Yeah. I'm feeling it in my body. My body feels heavy. Um, uh, one of the books I've been reading is my grandmother's hands. And I appreciate the way in which they describe trauma showing up in our bodies and feeling and being with our bodies. And as I think about lament, I think about the way in which my body is such mm-hmm. a part of the lament practice um, and, and feeling heavy in my body, feeling grief in my body, sometimes mm-hmm. feeling hot in certain places. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a full body full body participation. Mm-hmm. Elizabeth, I didn't mean to cut you off. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I think um, pain is a way of one of the languages of the body mm. in good and important. And in this culture, um, if we express pain in a wild way, it is not accepted. Yes. Uh, I remember my first experience as a chaplain in the uh, emergency room, there was this Latino family and they said, I'm so glad a Spanish speaking chaplain for the first time could come in. But what they wanted me to do is to put the lid on it, make them not scream. Mm. I thought you want me to, well, it's what the white culture wanted me to not let my people express it the way they were feeling it in their guts. Yes. Um, and, and I, you know what, I, I'm a very obedient person and I obeyed uh, to a point that I failed mm-hmm. to a point. And what I did was I was able to close the door and say, let's do it here, create that safe place. Okay. We're going to scream. We're going to do it here, but we can't be running around the hallway and insulting people or doing other things. Let's do it here. Mm-hmm. Let's hold each other as raw, as, as ugly as it looks like, and it's okay to, to be here. And then we will, we will figure out what's the next step together. Are we ready to go to see the deceased individual? How are we going to get ready to do that? Um, so it's actually honoring it. And yeah. there's just no space sometimes to hold it in. And, and if you don't express it, there is this um, uh, 
new psychological book on it's not new the body keeps the score yes. oh my goodness the body keeps mm. the score yes it, it does. does don't do it it's going to come out another way right yes uh, and one thing that i learned in my beautiful 62 years of age is if i don't scream and if i don't mm. say it and get angry right there then um it my throat is going to be hurting for days mm-hmm. And then my chest is going to be hurting. And then I'm going to have stomach problems and accept that I accept that. And I've learned to just say, no, I don't like it. No, that is not true. And just say it out there and then Mm -hmm. let it go. Yes. Um, But there is not a lot of safe places you can do that. Giving yourself permission Mm -hmm. to scream it out and say, no, this is, this is, this is not the truth. Yes. Uh, and this, this hurts. Yes. So this is part of that lamentation process that is important and necessary. Mm-hmm. But in that lamentation, we're moving into a, a spiral upwards to our solution to, our, okay, what is next? But first I have to do the real hard work and then I will go, I will get there. We will get there. Yeah, being honest with ourselves about our feelings and allowing and giving our bodies permission to express those. That has been such a long journey and will continue to be a journey for me. I have a therapist who often encourages me to practice centering. And she said, you know, Bonnie, have a plan for your body or your body will have a plan for you. you. And and I, I really, I like it. It was catchy. Um, So it stuck in my brain, but I appreciated that phrase of being able to center myself in my body, whatever I'm feeling and naming it and giving that voice, whether it is something is not right in my spirit, naming that and identifying it. And it takes courage and it doesn't always show up in ways or places that can hold that, but finding ways that I can show up authentically and give my body permission in those spaces to be as authentic and as able as I am in those spaces to name the violence and the harm or the feelings that I'm carrying has been so liberating as I move forward and think about how do I get to that next step, right? I like that upward spiral staircase that you were talking about, Elizabeth, because I can't move forward if I can't tell the truth about what has been done. I can't move forward if I can't tell the truth to myself about what I am feeling. And so learning how to give myself permission and learning how to show up in authentic ways has been the journey and will be the journey of a lifetime. It's, it's not easy, but it's helpful to be in spaces where others are doing the work too. Um, yes. I, find, I find so much love and community and freedom when I see other people working on it too. Um, yeah. It gives me permission to show up in those ways. I have another question for all of you. So I'm just moving right along. Um, what are two, two, two or three things? And you have mentioned a few, but I'm so curious to hear from you about two or three things you have learned about lament during this time of pandemic. Yes, I'm looking for, okay. Um, naming the loss mm. and what we have gained. I think not only the, the, the loss um sometimes even that emptiness gives us room for capacity to grow where we need to grow Mm. Um, 
then uh, for me, those two things go hand to hand. So, and like Walter Brueggemann talks about lamentation, prote protest, and complain are very important. I used to be very afraid of my own anger. And in therapy, I will go in and they say, and I said, I become two Mennonite white anglicized um, too long. To I relate. Hush, hush, I feel. And I said, no, no, go towards it. Mm -hmm. Go instead of go again away from it. It is telling you something. So that righteousness anger has been even healing on occasions for me. Uh, even if sometimes I have to do it alone mm. or be an example, and that will trigger other people to do whatever they need to do, right? Um, so I've, uh, that's something that I have, uh, the holiness of anger yes, that yes. is there. And it's, it's, it is there for a reason. Um, uh, uh, I was gonna say the power of communal lamentation mm. uh, is, is very important for me to telling, to listen to the truth, uh, to see it, to understand it, uh, together. And I wanted to witness what we did on Laurel Street when um, this um, white policeman killed Ricardo Munoz um, that Sunday evening. And then we asked, as we are feeling the lamentation and the fear in our streets, what should we do more than we say we used to be safe and now we don't feel safe. Um, and I said to the pastors, I think we just to go out there. There was the middle of this pandemic, right? Yeah. Um, and has a, let's do a prayer walk. That's the Pentecostal. I don't know what is going to come. And so I went to each one of our church uh, Pentecostal leaders and Spanish churches and say, will you, will you people come out with you, with us and just walk with us and walk with his family. Just be there. No, I don't want it to be political. A pastor said. No, mm. it's not political. It is a prayer of action. Yes. We are yeah. saying, estamos contigo, and we are hurting with you. And um, I don't know if Lachelle was there that evening. It was quite powerful. People gathered in that family, felt embraced by every minister, every church leader. The, so for me, we were church lamenting together, saying this is this should not be. What can we do to not have another Latino young man killed in our streets, another black person yeah. uh, killed in our streets? Um, so the ethic of communal lamentation was very uh, powerful. Just walk those four blocks together singing in prayer in silence and and together right there in front of Laura Street where the killing happened mm -hmm. that family were um I was not looking for appreciation I was looking for acompañamiento accompanying the other that's in pain because then eventually I feel that pain um and then we'll figure out what's next but this is feels that's the best way. So we left the comfort of our four walls and we became El Cuerpo de Cristo out there. Yes. El Cuerpo the de Cristo. The Cuerpo de Cristo is, a, is one that hurts, yes. that no one 
mean meant. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I'm going to let it go there. And Lachelle, I'm sure you have other things to, to add and from your perspectives. Yeah, I unfortunately wasn't able to be there that night, but I was a different night. We gathered together and had um, mm-hmm. a lament the, the night after the shooting. And um, that was very powerful to be community, um, lamenting together as community as well. Um, speaking of that, how important that has been and is, I really appreciated when our church got together to lament church history by reading through the book. Bonita was our leader and she helped us um, by asking such powerful questions as we read through the book. Um, Jamar Tisby's The Color of Compromise, The Truth About the American Church's Complicity with Racism. Mm -hmm. We lamented together our American church history and all, all of church history, unfortunately, is painful. It's, it's really hard to face that truth. But it, facing it together allowed us to um, work together as a church to suggest some changes, make some changes. And um, yeah, being honest as a group was really powerful. Yeah. yeah. Another thing I wanted to add is lamentation is not always present in sad times, but even in celebration, because it's mm-hmm. part of life. Yes. It will show up. And um, one thing that I, um, I'm a consultant now with Landis Communities, and we're building um, houses for 55 and up in downtown Lancaster. Mm-hmm. And I'm reaching out to the Latino families and couples so they can apply to be part of this community. Um, and we did uh, what we called the, the ground blessing. And mm-hmm. I organized in a way that it started with the land recognition. Mm-hmm. Who were the first native people mm-hmm. of this land that lived here, that inhabited here, that cultivated the land, that died and were born here. And we brought in a native sister from um, close by from the uh, cir- um, it's called uh, sacred circle and she talked us through the different and for me and in the, the white people who are present there is this well wow, we've never had such a ceremony in a um, groundbreaking they call it and I say no it's a ground blessing so we start with recognizing our complicity this land was taken away but in the midst of celebrating yeah yeah, but people really honor the spirituality in the intention. But that was just the start. There are many other things that we are going to be doing, and we had a a peace tree as well. And we did a libation that a uh, Reverend uh, Shana Watson, Episcopalian, beautiful yes. uh, student of mine, one of my stars. <laughs> I say, and she said, I want you to do a libation so you honor your ancestors, the present. The, the, the past and, and the future. It, it was just, and people was just looking at that. And they were, they, they were at odd. I, I mean, at, oh, wow. In the midst of a celebration, we're doing what? Lamentation? Yeah, yeah, because that's part of life. Yes. If we don't put it this, put it there, where else are we going to put it? Just leaving in the cemeteries. And at the end, I'm going to put it in the beginning. 
Yeah, we are people that can carry so much and learning that we are not monolithic people that just carry one emotion. For me, I've been sitting with lament and things that I've been learning about it. Remind me of that quote of when I sit with my anger long enough, she told me her name was grief. When I sit with my lament long enough, I realize that there's grief and there's hope. I'm grieving the things that I've been hopeful about, the things that I've been praying into the future when I'm not seeing them come into fruition. I'm naming the sadness. I'm naming the harm that is being done. I'm naming the violence. But when I sit with my lament, I also can pull out, what am I hopeful for? What are the things that I'm dreaming into the future? I can identify those pieces. Lament for me has been so difficult in general, as I get to know my body, as I get to know the way in which I have internalized a um, little bit like what Elizabeth was saying, kind of the, the wasp, the Anglican white um, Protestant understanding of, of rage and anger and realizing, no, I can hold space for rage and it can be holy. And I can name that and God can hold that. That isn't something that isn't is going to scare God away. Um, giving myself permission to bring my full body into the lament practice is something that I will continue to learn, but I appreciate understanding and sitting with the grief and the, and the rage and giving voice to that and also dreaming of the future. I'm curious, as we get to close today, what are two or three things you are learning to honor the way in which you lament? Elizabeth has spoken a lot about learning to give herself permission. Lachelle, you've talked a little bit about that as well. I'm curious about ways that you are continuing to learn how to honor your lament. I would just say just not being so judgmental towards yourself and others really about how people are lamenting or yourself is lamenting because it doesn't always look the same and just learning acceptance of the different ways it can look and show up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I am learning to um, that if and I do not express it, it will hurt me. It will hold, hurt my soul, my mind and my body. But there is a place in the time for it. So if um, I feel it's not a safe place, I love rituals. I love to do that for candles and things of that nature. What is it? I have a little tree that I go and hug very often so that's my centering that I deposit that that is intoxicating me and I and I give it in ground and I put it I deposit it there uh, to that tree and that tree receives it mm-hmm. and gives me energy in return so it's part of that uh, holy cycle um, there are occasions that if I am in the midst of a presentation or something and I feel something is happening yeah I will let tears come but sometimes if it's not the right place or I don't feel I have to store it in a in a place and promise myself that I will come back to it it's not avoidance it's not rejection uh, I will come back to it but this is not the right place that's why spiritual directors are so important in our lives or spiritual mothers of spiritual fathers or that sister that um will take me back remember what you said let's go back to that um 
So it's important to to honor and again, not to be apologetic. Mm-hmm. At this age, I cannot afford to be any longer apologetic. It's apologetic for my tears or my anger. It is what it is. And what I'm feeling comes from God. God is feeling this as well. But nobody in this meeting has the guts to say it. They feel a little bit uncomfortable, but I'm, I'm pissed off. I'm, I'm more than uncomfortable. And I think that is the Holy Spirit. That's my Pentecost talking and say, this is the time that you are going to say it. And when I come out nice, well, you just, uh, I will say it because mm-hmm. uh, I don't want to get sick. It's yes. not worth getting sick and I have to honor it. But again, is it the right place in time? I think I'm learning to honor my lament, one, by giving myself permission, but then also allowing myself to feel what comes. Um, I like what you said, Elizabeth, about knowing, you know, not every space can hold it. And so giving yourself permission to come back and promising that. But for me also, it's, that's a part of, okay, naming and identifying. Sometimes lament looks like a wave of grief. Okay, grief. And then sadness and then anger and allowing myself to sit in those and move through those at the speed of trust and at the speed of how it's processing with me. I can't fast forward through it. I can't make myself say, okay, this feeling is too much. I'm ready for the next one, but allowing myself. And it takes time. It takes time to identify, wow, this emotion is sitting with me for a couple of hours and allowing it to um, experience that time that it is in my body and to give myself permission and to love my body. I'm a little bit of a ritual person too. So one thing that I do when I'm lamenting is I will often touch my shoulders and work down to my, my ankles and just say, I love my shoulders. I love my arms. Thank you arms for showing up and carrying this grief with me. Thank you hands for carrying this grief with me. Thank you body for carrying this grief with me. And as I am processing that and thanking my body and remembering that this body is carrying all of these emotions and it is okay. And I am enough and I'm valid and my emotions are enough and valid. That's some process that I've been practicing with my spiritual practice of just sitting with the emotions, allowing them to come over me and then allowing them to pass as well. I often like to do it in community. It's vulnerable to do in community, but it also is powerful to do it with community who knows and sees and knows where you wanna go. Um, People that can point into and speak into my life of Bonnie, we are moving in growth cycles. Um, I can sit and lament and sometimes that's um, upward spiral staircase. I'm like, shoot, didn't I already go through that? Oh, nope. I'm still here. (laughs) We're circling back around, but to do that in community, that is also pushing forward of we are your community and we are calling into life. We are speaking into moving in the presence of God and God speaks life in us. And that means we can sit in our lament and we can also dream of a future where it is equitable and just and doing that well together. I'm curious if there are things that are rising up for any of you before we close out our session. And I am also just naming and identifying sitting here seeing your beautiful faces it feels like church to me this is my holy sacred space thank you for your vulnerability thank you for naming and being yourselves and bringing what you can tonight i appreciate it thank you Benita. it's always so good to be reminded of just 
allowing ourselves to just be who we are. And I think you just embody that so well. Like you're just such a great example. Thank you. Um, I am reminded in, in your prophetical voice, uh, Bonita, is lament is a cry for change. Yes. Yes. Because we, we, we stay in this plateau, okay, let's lament, but it's a cry for change. And because our body uh, feels that call, uh, we need to respond to it. Um, as you were speaking, um, remind me in occasions that I end up in the hospital with my stomach pains, or I end up in the hospital with a chronic something, I am there waiting for the doctor. And then I say, why did I do this? So then I start talking to my organs and my tissue and my cells. And I, say, I am so sorry. I abandoned you. When you were, mm-hmm. when I was, I did not, I did not feed you. When I was, kept on going I kept on going and now the body says no mas and so I I speak to it I am so sorry so just like a little baby and sometimes you see me just just rocking like I'm rocking myself like when my mother used my grandmother used to rock me and I'm rocking myself and and at the same time I am making a promise not to do that to myself anymore yeah so, uh, so for, again, is that lamentation for change? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that promise too. Friends, mm-hmm. thank you for being here today. I so appreciate what you could bring, your vulnerability, your courage, and honestly, your pro- prophetic voices tonight. This episode was produced by me, Benita Croyle, with editing help from Alex Woodring and music by my dear friend, Red Fajan Titi Halawa. Holding It Together is a joint production of Women in Leadership and MCUSA. Look for us on your page on the MCUSA website, Apple Podcast, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast streaming site. I'm your host, Benita Croyle. Thanks for listening, y'all, and catch you next time on the flip side.